0: This is Walker Lukens, and you are listening to... Song Song. Song.
1: Confessional
0: Let me explain to you what we do here at the Song Confessional. So, we get anonymous stories, and we give them to our favorite songwriters and bands, who then write original songs based on those anonymous stories. Now, we used to travel around the country, and we would record people telling us stories, in our little blue camper trailer, but we can't travel around the country anymore because we all need to stay home and wear masks and socially distance so we can beat this virus thing. So what we do now is people write in and they tell us a little bit about their, their juicy story. And then we get them on the phone and we, and we record them telling them to us. Today is the fifth and final episode of our Love and Quarantine mini season. Uh, I'm sitting here with most of all the things that make me happy. Uh, what is your name? It's not Mackenzie. Whoa. (laughs) I'm Zach Catanzaro. How's it going, guys? Uh, Zach, how are you you doing today? I'd say feeling better this week than last. Yeah, why is that? Because it's hotter outside?
2: There's literally no reason. Yeah. I have no reason. There's just no reason. There's just random feelings that come and go.
0: August has always been the time I feel the worst living in Texas. I think I get the reverse SAD. I get seasonal affective disorder when it's crazy hot outside because I just don't want to be outside.
2: Yeah, our August is basically, you know, Minnesota's February. Yeah, true. (laughs) It's just, you just hide.
0: Yeah. Maybe it's because um, our society is crumbling, but being upset about the weather just seems, you know, (laughs) like being upset about pastries or something. It's like... Pastries are upsetting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they they can be upsetting. There's nothing worse than spending real coin on a pastry and it sucks. I was just about to say coin and what?
2: 400 pointless ass calories that aren't even worth it. There we go. There we go. Good old glazed donut never mm-hmm. does you wrong.
0: I uh really miss Shipley's donuts. Cuz there is that's a that's a Houston thing which some of you might be familiar with. There's a, f- a location or two in Austin, but the problem is that I want a Shipley's Donut from 1991.
2: Yeah, and it should only be two blocks away. Yes,
0: that's, I want exactly That's a crucial it. part of it. You I must want, be able to ride yes. your bike to the Shipley's. That's exactly what I want! <laughs> if you're a good little uh, song confessor, then you already know that today we are going to hear from Royal Teeth, a band out of Lafayette, Louisiana, and you've already been listening to the song they wrote for the song confessional called Things That Make Me Happy. It is easily the most radio friendly song we've ever had produced uh, by this project.
2: I'd agree. It's just so perfectly catchy.
0: Yeah, it is very, very catchy. Back in 2018, we played a festival with Royalties. Was it 2018? No, it was 2017. 2017, yeah, 17. We played at a festival with them in Treeport called Prize Fest. Uh, We became friends and uh, have been running into them on purpose and not on purpose ever since. The band had a
2: breakout hit back in 2012 with the song Wild. Uh, You guys probably heard it. It's been on so many different commercials, everything from um, TV shows, The Voice, 90210, video games, FIFA 13. It was on the Samsung Galaxy S5 launch. Um, Or you've probably seen the band perform on Last Call with Carson Daly or maybe even the 13th season of American Idol. They've been everywhere. That song was
0: huge. You might have also seen them opening for such bands as Fits in the Tantrums, American Authors, The Kooks, Walk the Moon, The Mowglies. I think we decided Mowglies or Mowglies, which sounds fun. Anyway, the- <laughs> Anyway. <laughs> Royal Teeth gets around. They 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 wrote this awesome song based on this confession that we uh, can't wait to share with you. Um so in our first episode, you know, we heard from a couple who was who was kind of taking things to the next level and and then we heard about uh some oh that's sex dog hey. then we heard about some some young love that had was stunted by the pandemic uh, last week we heard about a couple who broke up and then decided to quarantine together and this week mm, kind of none of those things
2: our confessor this week works and lives in boston massachusetts For several years, she's had a crush on her friend, but was too scared to act on it until the pandemic pushed her to confront her true feelings. Fortunately, those feelings are mutual. Unfortunately, her crush happens to be an ER doctor, and we're still in the middle of fighting a wildly contagious virus. They can't even be in the same room together, much less so share any physical affection.
0: Well, without further ado, here's this week's confession. Thank you for being
2: vulnerable, especially in such a weird time. And I feel like the world needs vulnerability right now to be able to connect.
3: Great. Okay. Um, We met a couple of years ago. She is an incredibly talented woman. She has a, in addition to a clinical practice where she works as a doctor at a major hospital in boston um, she is also a painter and a musician and a brilliant humanitarian uh, she's somebody who thinks about the world in so many different ways and it was working in so many creative capacities to make it better and stronger and more resilient um, i was knocked out by her the as soon as i first met her uh, and we, I had the chance to work with her. I also work in the humanitarian sector. And I found myself really struck by the confidence and the ease with which this person not only thinks about really complex things, but how she copes with a lot of different kinds of trauma. She's been through a lot and has come through to the other side of a lot of things um, and that is something that I find really compelling, uh, both because it's trauma, something that I work on, uh, but also because I think it has made her—it's um, made her resilient in some ways that are really important right now. Fast-forwarding a bit, um, as I as you can probably hear in my voice, I was smitten right away. I was also very shy because. I'm, I identify as queer or bi or pan, whichever flavor of that makes sense. Um, but even though I was raised in a very liberal family and work have always worked and lived in a pretty accepting environment, coming out as queer was was still not easy for me, and I didn't do so until just a couple of years ago. When I met her, I had no idea how to reconcile my attraction to this wonderful sexy brilliant woman um, who is also queer and uh, and who had all this confidence and all of this experience that I lacked so because I really didn't know what to do with my attraction uh, I just let it kind of simmer in the in the background um, especially because you know I've as they say like you're you're kind of always looking for the for one relationship that will work out but your my experience has always been that they don't um, and <laughs> <laughs> I, I really accurately
2: did, said for sure
3: <laughs> yeah um so I was just like well the common denominator here is me and I don't seem to be very good at this how, how long have you,
2: how long have you known her
3: I've known her for probably like three years now okay but you know I've, I've known her better for over the last year Mm-hmm but this is also unusual for me. Like, it's not the first time that I've ever been attracted to somebody who I worked around. Um, I usually am not quite so daunted by a person who I'm attracted to. Mm. And also just the prospect of uh, being so attracted to somebody and knowing that if I were to say anything that I would really want to pursue a relationship, that was also a lot. Like, there's none of the sort of Casual flirtation. Like, I, re- I really wish that I could have just uh, met her at a bar somewhere mm-hmm. and, like, not had all of the, the weight of everything else on top of it. Um, so, in what I've since learned can be a very somewhat cliched way for queer women, I sort of danced around it um, and would be complimentary and was certainly always very clear about how much I admired her, but still stopped well short of admiring of offering sort of like the full extent of my attraction. Um, And this continued for months. And there were a few moments when I thought maybe she felt the same way. There was this one time we went on a, a, a road trip, and I thought, well, if this were a guy, I would know what to do, or I would know what to expect and what to look for. But of course, it being a woman... I was just like, I don't know what I'm doing, maybe she'll, she'll make the first move and that'll make it easier.
2: Have you um, been in a real relationship with a woman before? No. No, okay. It's
3: totally new for me. Not the first time I've had any physical you know, mm-hmm. relations with women, but the first time that I was willing to...
2: To be in an yeah, re- actual like, relationship, yeah.
3: So, uh, as, I, as I said, we were we were kind of circling around each other for months. So like fast forward to when the, the pandemic starts, I had, right as we were getting the news about about everything spreading, um, I had just completed a month long work tour where I was traveling really extensively every weekend. So I didn't have a day off for like over a month and I was completely exhausted. So by the time I come back from the, my last trip, like my voice is shut. I'm running a temperature, I've got this nasty sinus um, congestion, and I've got another big deadline that I've got to push through and hit. So my body was like taking a, it needed to take a beat. Um, Eventually, I went to urgent care and was diagnosed with a low-grade temperature and given some antibiotics and told to go home. And the lousy thermometer that I have continue to register a low-grade temperature of about 104 or sorry not 104, 100. 100.4 so i was registering this 100.4 temperature every day for about three weeks wow and sometimes i felt super fatigued mm-hmm. and like really struggled to get out of bed and i was having these terrible migraines and then other days i would be completely fine mm-hmm. and i couldn't really figure out what was going on but I figured, okay, there's this crazy thing going around. I've been going through a ton of airports lately, so I'm just gonna stay home and self quarantine yeah, until are I'm decent. exactly. And by the time that uh, I finally realized that it was actually my thermometer that was broken, <laughs> um, <laughs> that's why I kept registering the so-called like low-grade temperature. Turns out it was a normal temperature, but <laughs> two degrees too high.
2: Oh my god.
3: Um, so I still don't know what all the other stuff was. But uh, anyway, so I was I was stuck at home for a long time um, at the beginning of the month when the, when the outbreak was starting. So this incredible woman, in addition to being like a good friend and colleague, uh, is also an ER doctor. And she'd been keeping tabs on my, on my symptoms. So she came over to check on me. I was already nervous about her doing that. It was early enough, uh, enough on, she really didn't think that I had COVID at all. I had no cough. I had no respiratory symptoms whatsoever. Um, and again, like clearly my, <laughs> I have no idea if I ever had it or not. I've, I've been tested, I came, it came back negative. Um, so she came over and was like, yeah, you seem fine. I think you're fine. <laughs> and she was just like, well, whatever. I just want to hang out and make pancakes. So she brought over pancake mix and wine and we were sitting and chatting and just catching up um, and cuddling on the couch with my dog, Archie, who adores her. And at one point, she, she paused and she said, hey, like I have a present for you. Uh, and she'd had it for a while, and she just had kept forgetting to give it to me. So she pulls out the intricately wrapped box, and inside it are two other boxes. Um, they're custom-made, and they've got each of them has an inscription. One says, things that make me sad. The other says, things that make me happy. She gave them to me. And she said, I remember the last time I was here, we were watching the stand-up special by Jenny Slate, and she has this box from her childhood called things that make me mad, <laughs> where all the, all the things that ever made her angry, she put them in there, and you said that you needed something like that, so I made them for you. And I just, i looked at these thoughtful gifts that she'd taken the time and the effort to, like, craft and carry around and make sure that she had a, a personal moment to, to give them to me. And I just thought, you know, I got to tell you, like, i just I looked at her like I was like I'm not ready for this moment my hair is a mess I haven't showered in like a week I'm wearing a ratty sweatshirt <laughs> <laughs> and I just looked at her and I was just like I gotta tell you I am crazy about you you're wonderful and I know that I've told you how much I admire you but I want to be clear that like I am really attracted to you and you don't and I kept immediately put a ton of caveats on it I was like totally understand if you don't feel the same way and i've never been in a relationship with a woman so if you want me to like get some experience first i totally understand you don't want to deal with a gaby like just you know immediately being like let me make it easy for you to shut me down
2: (laughs) give you every out imaginable
3: absolutely it was just like And I was just like, and let's just be clear, I was just like, I do not want this to affect our friendship or our work. I was just like, everything can be totally exactly the way it ever was. I just had to finally tell you this. And she laughed at me. And while she was laughing, I started to, like, turtle into my sweatshirt as I'm, like, hiding from her. (laughs) (laughs) And then she looks at me and she just says, like, you dummy, like, I feel the same way about you.
2: That's so sweet. I,
3: yeah. Um, so, so, what, what do you think gave you it, the
2: courage in this moment? Was it the gift? Or was it, do you think it was the gift combined with the situation? The quarantine is just like the perfect storm that you just, you felt so
3: compelled? It was, it was partly the quarantine. She's also, she's going through a lot right now. And I wanted her to know that she didn't have to go through it alone Mm
1: -hmm.
3: and that there was somebody who wanted to be there with her through all of it, Mm -hmm. through all the ugliness. And I mean, she's got so much stress and so much pain and she deals with it incredibly well. Like she doesn't, you know, it's not like I think that I'm like essential to her, but I just wanted her to know that somebody wanted to be there with her for everything
2: is at least thinking about her in the hard times when she might feel alone.
3: Yeah. It's well before COVID hit, I was worried about her being by herself, feeling by herself, feeling isolated and Mm -hmm. having to deal with everything that she's all this pressure she's been under. Um, And yeah, so it was that moment just kind of everything sort of brightened up. And then we had the most awkward goodbye later that night possible. Like, (laughs) <laughs> couldn't kiss her couldn't touch her couldn't <laughs> no hug her
2: hugs. nothing <laughs> not even not even a pat on the back <laughs>
3: no nope, yeah. just kind of did this awkward like head so, <laughs> nod bye now <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um,
2: uh, that's funny You're, you don't think that you could have one of the most awkward first dates ever probably at this stage in life but y- you know the oh, surprises yeah. never <laughs> stop coming it's amazing yeah so um, what what has her life been like now it's I mean everything has obviously increased rapidly since the last time you saw each other.
3: Yeah. And this I think is probably the hardest thing that healthcare workers are dealing with right now. The fact that they are being put in a situation where they cannot provide life-saving care to everybody who needs it. That is the opposite of everything that they are trained to do. Mm -hmm. It's a condition that I'm familiar with and that, she is familiar with because we think about and work on conflict zones all the time this is wartime type medicine the salutary in the field when you know that not everybody is going to make it um and but the dissonance of that happening here in not only in the u.s but in a city like boston that has some of the best hospitals in the world and such a high density of doctors—the area where I live in—I'm surrounded by doctors mm-hmm. all the time. And to still know that it wasn't going to be enough—that mm-hmm. has been yeah. profoundly difficult. And it's been really hard. Like it's also really hard in the midst of all of this to figure out, like, how do I flirt with somebody? Like, what's the right what's the right tone to take? You know, I'm not I'm not on the front line the way that she is, yeah. and. I've really struggled to try, try to figure out, like, should I try to be a source of, of joy for her and, like, sending her things that are funny? Or do I need to be making sure she knows that, like, she can sh- share the things that are sad? Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's really hard to hit that right mark. The only thing that I know for sure is that I stay in touch. Yeah, um,
2: I think that's important. That's, that's good that you're doing that for sure.
3: Yeah. But it's also tricky because there's also all of the insecurities that come yeah. with wanting to flirt and needing and having that sense of being like uh like i know that you are so busy and you don't have time to text me back and i'm also acutely aware of the last time you texted me back
2: yeah and and not only yeah i mean this would this would be a, a story for you if we weren't in the middle of a pandemic it would still be a story for you this is a very profound moment in your life with all of that aside. To try to figure that out with this, yeah, with all this social distancing and, and with this fear of the unknown that we're all grappling with is yeah, truly uncharted territory. It it is developing a relationship in wartimes. It it really is.
3: Yeah. And the most the and the thing too is that I I really am very adamant about the fact that more than anything else, I want her to have her friend. I want her to have that person. Who is there for her no matter what mm-hmm. where it's like you don't have to be any kind of way you don't have to be like you don't have to feel any particular way when we're talking you don't have to be happy or upbeat or informative um you don't have to be a doctor mm-hmm. around me you just 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 existing is more than enough um, and it's i think it's also really I'm finding myself uh, shocked at how for somebody who like I, I have tended to avoid relationships. I go years between serious relationships. Um, and it's been it's been a few years since my last one. So to not only be trying to navigate the start of something new, but also with somebody who I could lose because of her because of her position on the front line. Um, that's the thing with COVID. There are no guarantees. Yeah. Um, and I mean, in, in most other, uh, public health emergencies, healthcare workers are the first to get, you know, access to vaccines and other treatment. That's not the case here. Um, we are going to lose so many more health workers before this thing is over. And, uh, She's and like I said, she's, she's right there in the middle of it. There's no, there's no distancing from that. Yeah. So I'm trying to, I mean, trying to sort of have a semblance of here's how I can be a point of normalcy and a relief and also really wanting to jump the gun all the time Mm -hmm. and be like, you're super important and I want you to know how intensely I care for you. Um, And also kind of trying to not be a queer woman cliche (laughs) Mm -hmm. and immediately being like, I love you. We should immediately move in together once
2: this is done. And you are, Um, you definitely have a lot to navigate both of you. I, I I feel for you. It's
1: yeah.
2: yeah. Like you said, we are going to lose healthcare workers. They are on the front lines. There is no distancing. That's not even an option. is that, is that a fear that's kind of under there somewhat?
3: 100%.
2: 100%,
3: yeah. It's, and even in addition to that, knowing that what she's going through, as resilient and brilliant and talented as she is, nobody is going to come through this thing unscarred.
2: No, definitely not.
3: And I, it doesn't worry me that she would be scarred by it. But what worries me is um, I feel for my friend who I care about, who I know loves what she does and who is being let down by the systems that she knows better than most mm-hmm. how they should work. And she knows exactly how she's being let down. Yeah. And that betrayal is really profound and that makes me incredibly angry.
1: Yeah,
3: um, And I worry that if, if she's lost to this, I don't know what I'm gonna do with that anger. Like,
2: that's gonna burn hard and fast for a long time. Mm-hmm. I have no doubt at all that you are really providing something for her and making her feel cared about and thought about. And I, I think that, you know, timing is everything in life. And it's crazy that you had the courage to tell her in that moment. Because it was honestly like a before-it's-too-late kind of moment, even though you didn't necessarily comprehend that at the time.
3: Yeah, I don't want to waste that moment. Um, As awkward as it may be to say something that normally (laughs) you'd have a whole other navigation around, but I need her to know that she's not alone and that she's loved and that she matters um, and that everything she's doing is... Uh, that it's seen, because I don't know, I don't know how many of us are going to make it to the other side, or what kind of shape we're going to be in if we do. And maybe this is the, maybe this is going to be it. So I've got, I got other regrets in my life, but I don't want this to be one of them. Production notes.
0: Hey Jim, how are you doing? Oh, good. Walker, how are you? Uh, pretty good. Where are you right now? I'm in the studio in Austin. Are you all alone in the studio or is anyone in there with you? Nope, just me. And were you all alone when you mixed this Royal Teeth track? Oh yeah, I was. And do you normally mix completely alone or do you have people in there with you?
4: I usually do it that way. I usually try to get it to a point where I'm pretty happy with it, but not too far along so that the band can't make changes so i get to that point and then i invite the band in to check out the song or i send it out for the band to listen to depending on whether there's a pandemic or not
0: have you sort of loved not having the band be nearby since you tend to mix alone
4: no i actually wish the band could come in because i get lonely you know
0: yeah that's fair so these this band royal teeth i mean they they have lived in different cities and they recorded music remotely with each other for years. So could could you tell by the session you received from them that that was the case?
4: Yeah, definitely, yeah. The session was, was, was really well organized. Uh, the sounds were great. So there wasn't a lot of work to do on that end. But the other thing that I feel like showed that they do have experience doing it this way is is the production of this track was was pretty top notch, and some of the things that I feel like this track showcases are um, like builds and surprises and payoffs when it comes to um, making a track exciting.
0: Can you give an example of a payoff in this song?
4: Yeah, payoff in this song. One example would be the first chorus the rhythm section drops out and it's just a female vocal singing the chorus. And then the next time the chorus hits, you've already heard that melody, but now there's um, male, female vocal singing it, full band, rhythm section, drums, things like that. So there's a a payoff from that first chorus.
0: Another thing that comes in later in the song which is slightly atypical but is a big payoff moment for me is the electric guitar I mean, you don't hear it oh until my god halfway through the second verse and it's so tasty
4: oh i love that and it's also there's a pause in the middle of the second verse right, uh, right before those stabs come in yeah it's funny because while i was mixing it i was like man i just want to make sure these stabs are nice and loud they're so cool and i'm like wow they are literally only in that second half of the second verse. So there's only like four hits. <laughs> and I'm like, man, I want to hear more of those, you know?
0: I know. It's so tasty. Yeah. This is definitely the most pop song that the Song Confessional has ever produced. And I mean that in like the purest sense of pop. Like it, it sounds like something you could easily hear on commercial radio and something that the whole Eno family could love from children <laughs> up through grandparents. Right. Uh, right. What is it about this song, the way it was produced or written or mixed, that makes it so kind of pop?
4: Um, well, I feel like the, the melodies are incredibly hooky. The subject Agreed. matter is great. It draws you in. Um, when, you, when you look at the instruments, it's fairly uh, minimal, which allows the vocal to sit in a really good place and you can make the vocal louder and it, it still works um, and also like I said before there are payoffs and surprises and you know electric guitar stabs in the second half of the second verse it's great
0: Now here's Things That Make Me Happy by Royal Teeth
1: Dancing around it I stop all well short of this attraction. Scared to make the first movements go by. I swear to God, I don't know what I'm doing. But you keep checking on me when my temperature's high. Got me hiding in my sweatshirt, bringing pancakes and wine. I don't think you realize how essential you are. side
0: Things That Make Me Happy was written and performed by Royal Teeth. That is Gary Larson, Nora Patterson, Tom Nis and Josh Hefner. It was mixed by Jim Eno. It was mastered by Chris Longwood. Hey, Walker, in your quarantine, what would you say all the things that make you happy are? Um, Mackenzie, uh, my dog, Hank Williams IV. No relation to the trash Williams. Um digging holes in my backyard. I really like making trash can salads. I like driving around in my car with no air conditioning. I like waking up at like 7.30 and saying, today I'm not gonna look at my phone. And then waking up convulsing in a corner at like 4 p.m. on the floor of my studio, just like reading Twitter and freaking out. Um, I've really liked watching this guy, Les Blanks documentaries. Um, I've enjoyed listening to audiobooks. I have written quite a bit of music, but that's not new. Um, drinking. I don't drink less coffee. I've been drinking a lot of Mescal. Uh, I have been talking with my aunts a lot. That's sort of new and cool. Interview.
5: Now, who
2: am I speaking with?
5: Hey, this is uh, Gary from the band Royal Teeth, uh, and Royal Teeth consists of me, uh, Nora Patterson, Josh Hefner, and Thomas Anabine.
2: Where are you right now? Where am I talking <laughs> to you from?
5: Currently, I am uh, in New Orleans, New Orleans, Louisiana.
2: Obviously, you know we're we're having this conversation because of quarantine. Um, walk us walk us through your regular quarantine day, like from the beginning, like when this when this became real for you. Did you have to cancel a tour? Uh, did you have to, I mean, I assume some shows or what? How, how did all of this like start and all of a sudden you had that realization like, oh shit, we're about to be locked down for the indefinite
5: future? Right. Well, I'm still lucky enough for the most part, other than um, odd jobs on the side that I do for money. Like I don't have a, like a full-time job. Um, you know, I was, I was still uh, until, you know, recently, I was still you know making enough off of royal teeth to where I just could do a few little side jobs whenever we weren't traveling and playing shows to uh, to to make enough money um, so when this started happening, I guess for the most part my day to day didn 't change a whole lot because for the most part I just I wake up make a French press of coffee and I start working on my computer and I start working on music yeah and that that was kind of always my my process um, the biggest change for us is that the all of our shows got canceled, <laughs> um, so all the money we I was going to make off of the shows this summer are gone, yeah, uh, so <laughs> that hurts a lot yeah well, Nora, she had a big change because she has a job, so she's been home pretty much mostly uh, doing work from home, which is great that she was able to even keep her job, so that's that's good. Um, so I guess I feel kind of like we got sort of lucky because you know so many other people have had so much more of a hard time. I think adjusting to this and me, I kind of feel like, eh. I mean, I was gonna be here anyways. So all right, I guess uh, you know I just don't have as much to look forward to.
2: But, yeah, and your, and your daily routine hasn't really changed, No, it seems like.
5: If anything, if anything, it gave me a little more time and a little more focus because I'm like, all right, well, this, this is what everyone's doing. And I started seeing how much awesome content started coming out so quickly. I'm like, how the hell did you guys do, like, did you plan this? Like, did you know this was mm-hmm. going to happen? Some, some people are so talented. Like, when, when something goes down, like, immediately I just started seeing, like, great artists put out, like, videos and songs and, and things like that. And I was like, all right, well, this is a great time to just get creative and get to work so uh that's been kind of my mindset like I'm still gonna approach day to day like I got some work to do so I'm just trying my best to like stay creative and 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 keep making stuff which is why this was such a cool opportunity when I got the email about this I'm like yeah this is exactly what I want to be doing like fun creative outlets that keep me busy keep me working and also you know are great for other people too that are looking for something you know
2: Oh, we definitely appreciate you being a part. Um, you you've released two singles in this time frame. Did were they written beforehand? Did you have those releases planned? Because I, in particular, Bored seems like you wrote it a few weeks ago.
5: <laughs> I know. Which that that did just that did really work out. Uh, I had actually I had actually written the idea before all of this. Uh, the, the original that's, demo. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: so what is, what is the official name of the song you wrote for us? Uh, the official name is "Things That Make Me Happy." Things that make me happy. I wasn't sure if it was if the all the was there or not, so I wanted you to say it. <laughs> um, so it turned out really beautiful. It's a really nice song. I'm I'm curious how how you connected to the confessor, how listening to that confession and taking someone else's story and then kind of adapting it. How, what was that experience like for you?
5: Yeah, I I really I really loved it. Um, you know, because for me. Um, if you know, I'm sure you could tell from the conversation so far. It's at, at this point, I'm just really trying to find um, new ways to stay creative, new ways to stay inspired, and so doing this was something I've you know never done before. So the challenge, first and foremost, was exciting. I was like, you know, if whenever uh, our drummer Josh Hefner, whenever he hits me up. If he if he if he gives me anything that's a little bit weird or challenging, I think he knows I'll just do it. Like I'm rarely gonna say no. So when he sent me this thing, this this idea, this email, he's like, "Yeah, but you know, like you listen to it, but like I need it back like in two or three weeks." And I was like, "Yeah, okay, give it to me anyways. Like I'll 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 try." Um, And so yeah, he sent me the he sent me the story and. I'm glad I did it this way. I didn't plan to, it, you know, because I've never done this before. But I, I, I decided, I decided a good starting place would be without even thinking of music or anything. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna turn it on. I'm gonna listen to it, and I'm gonna open up my notes on my computer. And anytime she says a word or a phrase that sounds interesting or important, I'll just write those words and phrases down. So I'm just as she's going, I'm just like typing things that you know she's saying. And mm. so, at the end of it, I had this big old list of, you know, sentences or, or, or words, and I just and I just decided like I'm gonna make sure that all the lyrics are basically what she said, you know. Mm. Um, so
2: it almost like Matt created your own version of a Mad Lib. Almost. <laughs> yeah,
5: yeah. Pr- pr- pretty much. Um, that's that's a cool approach. Yeah, yeah. I just I guess uh, I I noticed when I, especially when I started hearing what the story was that you know it's it's a delicate thing when you're writing someone else's experience Um, and i i wanted to make sure that i wasn't uh speaking for someone in in an improper way you know telling Mm -hmm. telling their story it's one thing when you're talking about your own emotions you can you can you know you can mess with it as much as you want it's your own it's your own thing but when it's for somebody else I, i guess i felt more of a responsibility not to have something that would be like, hey, what the heck, you know, I didn't, I didn't say that, or I didn't think that. Um, So I just wanted to make sure that for the most part, everything I was saying was something that was relevant to what she said herself. Um, Mm -hmm. And that was kind of where it started. And so then, and then I just sort of started humming, you know, some things. And then, you know, obviously, the hardest part is just trying to find the point of it, you know, like, what's the hook or what's the what, 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 because I'm just, I'm just looking at a, a big you know paragraph of words here at this point but yeah there's a part in her story that i thought was really kind of felt like the the big point was when you know they uh they were together and she gave her the gift of the boxes you know they had the engravings on them the things that make me happy and things that make Mm -hmm. me sad you know that was the moment that inspired her to tell her how she felt um you know which was very beautiful yet Mm -hmm. the story is sad you know, it's, it's, it's also, it's a, it's
2: very much both. There's a serious duality in it.
5: Yeah. And so I, that's my sweet spot. I'll tell you that much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, yes, I want to write a really pretty pop song, but I want it to feel sad, you know, at the same time. Uh, you know, that's, that's kind of, that's, yeah, that's what I like. So Anyway, so that moment was the strongest to me, so I was like, man, if I could somehow incorporate that. So that's when the, you know, you are the things that make me happy sort of was, that's when that came up. And when I had that, that made it a lot easier uh, for me, for, you know, for me writing, if I have the main phrase even, or the main point, I guess, of what I'm trying to say or do, I can usually make the song come out pretty quickly. So actually, the writing process didn't take very long after that, because i because I had all these words and lines, so it kept giving me verse ideas and things, ways to sort of finish it. And the only thing different about this is I didn't build any of the music at all. I I, I just recorded it on an acoustic guitar and sent out a demo vocal to Thomas. And I was just like, this is what I have. Um, we need it in a couple weeks. Have fun with it, you know. So I gave him I gave him no no instrumental except for you know root notes and stuff. I gave him no real direction. Uh, and, and so, and he, he did a great job. He came back with it pretty fast, uh, with what he had and I loved it, you know, pretty much immediately. So thankfully the song really came together quickly. Um, which, you know, is, is, uh, you know, the, I guess the best case scenario given, you know, when you're doing something like this. I, I think, um, to
2: almost repeat something you said is that it, I can tell that that duality is your sweet spot in this song. Cause you you really do create this tonal mood that is kind of somber while the chorus is repeating you're all the things that make me happy <laughs> and it, it, if you don't it, without the source material it it's very intriguing you know with the i obviously i took that confession personally so i know the story very well and i know the source material and so it made a lot of sense to me but i there's a lot of mystique and mystery about the song without the story in a way and it's really it play, it plays together in a very very interesting way um, but I really love that you took someone's, you know, deeply personal experience and made it kind of like effort, effortless, universal and timeless. And it's very relatable to basically anybody that hears it.
5: Well, yeah. Well, thank you. I mean, that's important too. Uh, you know, when being able to connect specifically for a purpose, but also have something that sort of goes beyond, yeah, is, is ultimately the goal. Uh, anytime I'm writing a song. So that, that does make it tricky, you know, cause, uh, there are, I'm sure there are lines that won't. Make sense, you know, outside of the context of the story, <laughs> to, exactly. But I think you can still find enough meaning throughout it, you know, to uh, to to connect, uh, you know, past this particular story, which is which is cool. But ultimately, I wanted to do the podcast, the the story justice. I mean, that was that was the most important thing for me.
2: I I think our confessor is going to be very happy. He definitely did it justice. Oh. That's not
5: an issue. <laughs> I'm glad.
2: Uh, so it, it definitely seems like. 2020 is on a mission to you know one up itself every other week (laughs) Uh, obviously we we started this project together solely based around quarantine and in that time black lives matter movement has gained serious traction there's been protests all over the country um as an artist what do you what do you feel your your connection or responsibility might be in that kind of larger social conversation
5: Right. Well, you know, I'm I'm always hard around myself. So part of me is like, I I guess I forget sometimes that we I even have like a platform that I would consider important. But Mm -hmm. with something like this, it's like that that doesn't even really matter. Like it it's it's something you have to speak about if you if Mm -hmm. you know what I mean. Like it's I agree. I, I just feel like, and especially especially with the which is so great to see that there's actually things happening, things actually getting done and it's and it's because enough people are actually talking about it it's like creating enough of a you know refusing to be silent absolutely yeah you know and i hate to i hate to admit it but i mean part of it is part of it look is accepting it's been too easy for me in the past to like i've always cared when i saw a story but you know you see crazy stories on the news all the time and then you just sort of move on with your day and you forget kind of.
2: it's hard not it's hard not to get jaded to it in this country right. there, truly yeah
5: yeah and I'm, I'm i'm guilty of that from time to time you know where, where i'll see something i'll go oh my gosh that's terrible and then i'm back in my schedule you know and this but this is not really the time for that you know um so yeah for i mean for us for whatever kind of contribution we can have we wanted to you know no matter how small so yeah we've been talking about it uh we've also found uh some local New Orleans uh, organizations that we wanted to donate to. So when actually when we did the uh, acoustic songs, you know, we had put those out on Bandcamp because they were donating proceeds. So we, we donated 100% of our proceeds from the sales that we raised to uh, some organizations. And obviously Bandcamp did something really cool where they donated their share uh, that Friday. So, you know, it's it's probably not a whole lot in the grand scheme of things, but it, it's it's, you know, doing our part. And yeah, so much of it's just, keeping the conversation alive, keeping it going. I mean, look, we live, we live in Louisiana and there's a lot of people even in our families that don't share the same worldviews as us. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of, I think one of the important things for me to remind myself is like the necessity for some of the harder conversations. Absolutely. Um,
2: Especially with people you care about. That's like, I, I, I personally am of the impression that having the conversation, no matter how difficult is a sign that you actually care.
5: Absolutely, but it, it's definitely difficult. I will say, you know, because because I don't want to have those kind of conversations. You know, I, 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 yeah, they're hard. They're hard, but uh, but they're necessary. And and mm-hmm. I, and even if even if I can make someone in my circle a little more uh, tolerant, you know, in in a caring way, just to care more about what's happening, even if they have their own sort of specific political beliefs or whatever. And I still feel like that's worth worth doing, you know.
2: On a side note, you and Nora are a couple. We, yep. we are married, yes. You're married, okay. Walker and Mackenzie just got engaged last week. Oh, <laughs> So our bands really uh, share, share that connection. That's fantastic. Do you, do you think you could do it any other way besides touring with your partner? I mean, you're so used to that connection now. Could you even imagine leaving... Leaving her behind and going on tour.
5: Man, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. It, it, it would, it would definitely be weird. I mean, look, every, every relationship has like such a different dynamic that kind of keeps it going. You know, um, what's mm-hmm. funny is, so the band has always been like my thing. Like, I, I've always like since I was, you know, a teenager, wanted like, like the idea of being in a van with your buddies traveling. It was always like the most exciting thing to me. But it, yeah, it's the coolest thing you could ever do. Yeah, right. I know. I know. Uh, but honestly, it really wasn't for her. She sort of, she sort of stumbled into it. A really good situation. I mean, she's a, she's a uh, incredible singer, a great writer. But like, band was the band was always more of a hobby for her. Uh, and like, like th- this was like her first real band ever. You know, because I heard her singing at a coffee shop, and I was and and we weren't, you know, we didn't know each other yet, and so we were looking for a female singer to join, and. And that was kind of the beginning of it. So uh, I don't know. I, I just feel like the, the like, I don't know how much more we're going to, she wants to like do touring and stuff. I think she's kind of at the point where she's sort of at the end of that, like for her, you know, it's tough because like I'm selfish at times. And I'm like, I want to keep doing this. We, we can still do this. Like what the hell? Mm-hmm. Like it's still available to us. Like how are we going to say no to this? And then I, then I have to kind of check myself and i am go like, this is my wife, and she's like in a in a place right now where she doesn't want to spend, you know, this part of you know. So I'm like, yeah, you can't, you you have to, you have to. I had to remind myself, like, so it, it gave me perspective, right? You know, so as as yeah. we were dealing with all this stuff, it gave me perspective, and I think now things are great because I've accepted where we are, what what things are, and if we're going to do shows, if we're going to go on tour, it'll be because we all want to, not because we mm-hmm. feel like we have to, or because we're under some kind of contract to, you know. And you start
2: craving a little more stability after a while. It's just like being able to have a little more routine, being able to
5: Work in your garden at home, and it matters. Oh, absolutely! No,
2: no. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the little things—they just they start meaning so much. More absolutely, and
5: know. then you know, especially when it comes to couples, like we're talking about having a family and stuff. And it's yeah. like, what? How does that look when you're scraping by, doing? You know, at, at the early days of the band, we were gone more than we were home. Like, yeah, of we course. did an insane amount of shows one year. I forget half has it logged, but it was like it was a lot. <laughs> it was a yeah. shocking amount, and I was like, that's impossible now. I don't even think I'd want to do that now. I don't know. I think just perspective changes, you know, and I think we all deal with that. So it's like it's, you know, but once again, like looking at the positive, I mean, like, I think there's like a lane for us now to to be creative and do really cool things at our own pace. And that can still matter if we can remind ourselves to 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 always fall back in love with the process of what we're doing in the first place. I think it's Mm -hmm. like that's the healthiest way that we can. Make this work because there's always yeah. going to be things. You're always going to have to pay a bill. You're always going to have to be always. an adult. adult. But it, yeah, you, you just sort of it has to be a childlike fun for me to keep this thing alive. And so uh, that's been my goal at the past couple of years. Like that's that's my goal. And anything good that comes out of it is is a gift, <laughs> you know.
0: Royal Teeth is such a modern band. It's it's cool when you are working with a band who uh, the pandemic obviously is affecting them, but they already work remotely. They already don't live in the same city. They already collaborate without being in the same room. And also, it's cool working with a band that is trying to go for it.
1: Mm. You well
0: know? said, yeah. We, 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 we tend to deal with a lot of bands who are like,
2: it's like the indie darling world, you know. You don't, yeah. you don't need a hit to uh, to feel successful or have some pride. Yeah, not that you'd need it, but they uh, they're actually getting there. Real yeah, truth is like they're very mainstream, like you said.
0: I didn't say mainstream. I well, said not mainstream, going, for it. going You're the one who's lighting it. fires I mean, so that you sound, can't put out.
2: The sound is mainstream. Yeah, I mean that as a compliment, obviously.
0: They're they are they're the only band that we've ever had who's been on American Idol, which is crazy to think about.
2: And The Voice. They. Yeah. Oh, shit! doubled that's down. A, no, both. They were on both? Both, yeah. Whoa. I know. And, I mean, I, like I said earlier, 90210, it doesn't get bigger than those things in pop culture.
0: Yeah, it's wild. But was there a 90210 reboot?
2: There was. Same characters. Same actors, I mean.
0: Did that just flop?
2: I'm sure it did. <laughs> I Man, haven't com- heard. I heard about it. I heard about it that. happening. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, like, until right now, I don't think anybody's talked about it ever again. Why do you think we got so many stories about love? Why do you think that theme became so common in the submissions that we were getting?
0: I think that there are a couple just like demographic things. I mean, one, we were drawing on our listenership. Yeah, people people who are going to hear
2: the requests
0: for stories. And so I think it's probably fair to say that I mean, we didn't talk to many people who were unemployed. Yeah, not too many. We weren't talking to people who um, had children or, you know, basically it was a lot of people in their mid-20s to mid-40s who by and large were single, and this is still a, Mm -hmm. a thing on their mind, so to speak. So I do think that's part of it. And I think another thing is like, There is a certain element of, uh, I think that this COVID has forced people to take some chances, Hmm. whether the chance you're taking is uh, really small grocery shopping or the chance you're taking is with your life, you know, to make a living. Um, It's really forced people to take chances. And I think back in late March, early April, we were dealing with a lot of, when people started writing in, they were, they were taking chances. Mm -hmm. It was also still very early. We took all these confessions,
2: you know, not knowing half of what we know now. Things have developed significantly. So it was definitely still in that very unknown, scary time. Not that it isn't still scary, but Mm -hmm. you know how it is. The more facts you get, the more knowledge you get. It's like, there is a, a version of the fear of the unknown that gets a little smaller. Mm -hmm. Granted, it's still just floating above all of us. Um, But yeah, it's also like kind of this weird collective trauma, maybe, that we're kind of feeling Mm -hmm. together as humanity. And I mean, in my experience in times of trauma, people want human connection. I mean, that's the thing that you crave most. It's in in our DNA is to connect with people. And when everybody's telling you, don't connect stay away, Yeah, be distant. There is this innate thing that it's, I mean, it's almost survival. I think so. Like, not that it isn't a choice, but there is some element that I think that is just like, if you don't have connection, pushing you to find it. Yeah. In maybe a slightly grander way of like, you need this to survive.
0: I think you're right on. And I think that sometimes people tend to talk about trauma as like a purely negative uh, thing. But that, to me, is a perfect example of how trauma and trauma bonding, as oh, they yeah. say, is, is and can be really positive. I think
2: we'll explore this more in a future episode, but trauma is definitely a superpower. I'm just going to throw that little Easter egg to make you listen to a couple episodes from now.
0: <laughs> yeah. And I, I think that, that this is a situation where uh, people are continuing to try to take, take chances, you know. Yeah. And that, that has been really clear mm-hmm. and really awesome to see. And, and just to at least be witness to, even if, you know, still wandering around in the dark as evidenced by basically all these confessors sort of, at least at one point saying something, you're like, that's just not going to pan out. Yeah. I just know you're wrong about that. Yeah, true.
2: Mm-hmm. I think the, the taking chances thing is, is spot on. It's yeah. I think that if if previously you were averse... To risk and chance you've been forced to it, into it in some way or another yeah. we've all taken some risk or some chance that we wouldn't normally choose to take potentially yep um and yeah there there is something something collective about that experience and that slowly impacts other choices in your life
0: yeah yeah i mean it, I, I keep thinking about that leonard cohen lyric or he says all i've ever learned from love was how to shoot at someone who outdrew you <laughs> I think that people just really discount, uh, or it's not that they discount it. I think it gets shat on in our our hyper-woke self-help generation that we are uh, wading through. But a lot of choices and decisions about love and romance are done unconsciously and out of total sheer necessity. Mm -hmm. And it totally, uh, it's not a, pretty cute story you like telling you know but I think we we're seeing that a lot with these these confessions that we've gotten it's like shit I gotta do this I feel really lonely I feel really scared I have this thing in my heart it's you know that's that's interesting
2: because it does almost seem like there's a sense of a lack of choice totally you're you're like you're backed into a corner and I have to do this I have to profess my feelings I have to say these things because maybe I won't get the chance to say them yeah
0: I mean, 100%, that's how everyone talks about it Yeah. this damn, damn thing. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Good read. Yeah.
2: The Song Confessional Podcast is produced by myself, Zach Catanzaro,
0: Walker Lukens, Jim Eno, Aaron Blackerby, Rylan Kettery, Mike Lee, and brought to you by KUTX. The theme song at the top was called Love in Quarantine, Cupid's Theme. It was written by me. Things That Make Me Happy by Royal Teeth can be listened to, streamed, and purchased wherever you prefer. If you like this podcast, the most supportive thing you can do to help us keep making episodes is to send it to a friend you think would enjoy it. If you want to do more than that, like our artist page on Spotify and Apple Music and subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. We'd like to give a
2: final thank you to all of our confessors, as well as those who submitted stories that didn't appear on Love and Quarantine. They
0: thank might you. they might come
2: later. They might come later. They just weren't on Love and Quarantine. I didn't say they wouldn't be on the podcast. But thank you so much, guys. We could not do this without you.
0: And finally, thank you so much to Royalty.